You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. Satan is determined to keep strongholds in our lives. Just like the Canaanites were determined to stay and have a foothold in Canaan. And you can't drive us out. Satan, because of our old life, wants to dig himself in and be firmly planted and put strongholds in our lives. What kind of strongholds you talk about? Well, it could be like the stronghold of legalism. Legalism's a stronghold. There's no freedom in legalism. When you put yourself under the legalistic law, it's a stronghold. And then you put others under it. By design, a stronghold is very hard to destroy. As believers, we desire to be like Christ, but we find certain areas in our life that we're not ready to surrender. As Pastor Dave teaches in today's message, compromise does not belong in the life of a believer. Even a hint of sin left in our lives threatens the abundant life that we have in Christ. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua, chapter 17, with part one of his message, The Sons of Joseph Want More. Chapter 17, as we began looking at the division of the land. They've made it into the promised land. You know that. We've been studying that. And they're now dividing the land by lot. Okay, they're casting lots. But they're really not casting lots because... The Lord had already predetermined who was going to get what. And the Lord had already told Moses who was to receive which land. So now it's being enacted. Joshua, Eliezer the priest, and all the heads of the tribes now are gathered together. And they are casting lots to see where the land goes, who gets what, and how it's divided up. And the map that you have, you saw that we talked about the three tribes, or the two and a half tribes on the east side of yeah, the east side of the river. The two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River and how they were happy there. Moses had promised them that, and they were the first ones to be um, given land. Then Judah was given land. That's down here. And last week we talked about Ephraim a little bit. We're going to talk more about him today. We're going to talk more about him today. Last week we studied how Jacob took Ephraim and Manasseh from Joseph, who were Joseph's children, and he basically adopted them as his own. He took Joseph's, Joseph's sons, his, Jacob's grandsons, and he adopted them into the family, laid hands on them and blessed them and made them part of the 12 tribes. So you don't see a tribe of Joseph. Instead, you see Manasseh and Ephraim, who were Joseph's sons. They've now taken the place. And the tribe of Levi is not mentioned in this particular time because it's the division of the land. And we know from our studies that Levi didn't inherit land. Their gift was the priesthood, God. They served God. That was their gift. That was their inheritance. They got to serve God in the tabernacle. So we we studied that. And we looked last week in Genesis 48 how Joseph aligned Ephraim and Manasseh, Manasseh being firstborn, Ephraim being the second one. He arranged them so that the right hand of Jacob would be on 
Ephraim, which is where it was supposed to be, excuse me, uh, Manasseh, where, where it was supposed to be, and the left hand would be on um, Ephraim. So he gave his blessing, but Jacob switched hands, and he blessed, Manasseh, he blessed Ephraim over Manasseh. And we talked about that. And there's an interesting thing here. The Bible doesn't give real credence to the firstborn. There's a lot of, you can do a great study on firstborns in the Bible. You know, you can do a great study. Abraham's first son, Ishmael, was not God's choice. It was Isaac. Firstborn of Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. But God chose Jacob. So here you have this same type of thing. And the idea of firstborn doesn't necessarily mean first out of the womb. It means preeminence. It means preeminent. And there's an interesting scripture that is very confusing to a lot of people. Very confusing to a lot of people. In fact, if you know any Jehovah Witnesses, they're going to take you to this particular scripture and say, well, what does this mean? Because they do not believe that Jesus was God. They will tell you that Jesus was the Son of God. But he also was created. When he was not. And if you look at specifically Colossians, in Colossians 1.15, it's a great, interesting statement there by the Apostle Paul. Speaking of our Jesus, in this long line, and he talks about his preeminence, basically in the entire thing. And you know what, to get the, to get the feel for what he's trying to say, I don't like to take scriptures and pull them out of the air and just flop them in your lap. I like to read what was the front of the scripture and what was behind the scripture so you get kind of a whole view here. So let's read from 9 through 17. It won't take us very long. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into a kingdom of the Son of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins, he, now he's talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the first form from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Now, like I said, Jehovah Witnesses who deny the deity of Jesus Christ will come to you and go, explain that scripture. It says right there, it says he was the firstborn of creation. Well, that's because they're taking the firstborn in the word that it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that. In fact, the ancient Greek word, protokos, it describes Supremacy in rank. It describes being supreme, being preeminent. And Paul goes on to say, it says, all things were created by him. He was before all things. He was preeminent. The 
ancient rabbis. The ancient rabbis, Yahweh himself, they called him the firstborn of the world. Speaking about the Messiah that would come. And they used it as a Messiah. In fact, in Exodus 4.22, God said, As I made Jacob a firstborn. And in Psalm 89, also, I will make King Messiah a firstborn. They're talking about the preeminence. His preeminence, that he was always there. It was the purpose and plan of God. And everything that Jesus was preeminent. All things, again, includes you and me. He was preeminent. It was before us. So the question is, that I have to ask tonight as we study this section of Joshua, as you see we're talking about it, does Christ reign as preeminently in your life? In other words, is he supreme in your life? Is he number one in your life? Or is he in a list? Well, he's in the top three. Or maybe the top five. No, that's not his place. His place should be at the top. He should be the priority of your life. He should be preeminent in your life. His will and his ruling should be supreme over your life. There should be no other before him. Hence the term, no other gods before me, when God was given the commandments. There should be no other gods. Christ is that. It's the plan of Jesus Christ that he take a place of preeminence in all our lives. He's above everything else in our life. He supersedes everything that we are. And sometimes we go, yeah, yeah, he's, he's preeminent, but the actuality is he's not. And how can I tell he's not? Because your actions tell me he's not. I see your actions and what you do and what we do, and our actions tell us, well, Christ isn't preeminent in your life. See, and it's difficult. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about being happy with God has given us and accepting our inheritance. And we don't live up into our inheritance. Things happen, and we make compromises, and we make poor choices. And therefore, God does not become preeminent. I mean, you read through the Old Testament, Time and time and time again, you will see where the Israelites refused to make God preeminent, refused to make God in priority. They went after other gods. They went after foreign gods. And God chastised them greatly for it. Constantly called them on it and said, hey guys, I'm your God. You're my people. You need to be worshiping me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. There shall be no other gods before you. The Lord your God is one. We're called to that. And they recite that every time they pray. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's the Shema. They, they say it every time they pray. But do they believe it in their heart? See, we might have glorious prayers. We might say all these things, but it's just, it's just words. And God knows our heart. So we see that this preeminent here, this idea of firstborn, means preeminent out of the womb. It was God's choice. Now, as we looked at chapter 16... We saw that Ephraim was getting his inheritance. But if we go through and look at the last verse of chapter 16, we're going to find a familiar story. A familiar story. 16 verse 10. And they, which are the Ephraimites, which is the tribe, did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer. But the Canaanites dwelt among the Ephraimites to this day, and they become forced laborers. Their failure to drive these out. Their failure to drive those out. They were satisfied to let them become slaves. They compromised once again. And this led to major problems down the line. And as we go through the Old Testament, you'll see these problems arise. So, we get to chapter 17, 
And now the lot is going to be fallen on the other half of the tribe of Manasseh. Remember, Manasseh split into two. One was on one side of the river, and one half was on the other side of the river. We're going to talk about the other one on the other side of the river. Remember, Manasseh was Joseph's firstborn, and here he's going to try to take his place as firstborn. It'll work out real well, but he's going to try. Let's look at verses 1 through and 2 in chapter 17. There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war, therefore he was given Gilead and Bashan. And there was a lot for the rest of the children of Manasseh, according to their families, for the children of Ebiezer, the children of Halek, the children of Azrael, the children of Shechem, the children of Hefer, the children of Shemimah. These were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. So here we see the names of Manasseh's sons. The first one, Machir, is the father of Gilead. And Gilead is a place. It was an area that was conquered by Moses. It was an area that was conquered beforehand. Manasseh's grandson, Machir, Machir M-A-C-H-I-R, was a man of war. Now, this other side of the Jordan had their inheritance already. Now, this other side, now the other half says, okay, we want ours. And when they get theirs, it becomes what is known as the West Bank today. You've heard of the West Bank of Israel? That's the land of Manasseh. That was the land that was given to Manasseh. And you see the names there of the other sons. So it was given out. Now, an interesting thing in verses 3 through 6, where we'll look at. But Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Mertir, the son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters. Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. Not so sure I wouldn't want that third name, but anyhow. And they came near before Eleazar the priest, before Joshua the son of Nun, and before the rulers, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers. So this one son had no daughters. Now, this is unusual for women to receive an inheritance. Very, very unusual in this time for women to receive an inheritance. But if you take some time and read specifically Numbers 26, Numbers 27, 1 to 11, and Numbers 36, 1 to 13, you find the actual story of where these ladies went to Moses and said, there's no sons. We want our share. We deserve our share. Moses went to the Lord, and the Lord said, give them their share, but there's a caveat to that. They must marry within their tribes. They must marry within their tribes. Why do you think that was, uh, that was the edict by the Lord? So that the land would always belong to the tribe of Manasseh. If they started marrying outside their tribes, others would come in and want to take the land away. They would want to take their land away. It was more important for the land to remain in the ancestral families than it was to follow custom. So they had to marry men from their own tribe. These little tidbits that we're looking at, the real story that we're really going to zero in on doesn't begin until verse 14. So we're going to try to go through 
7 through 13, as the land's divided. And again, these names are something else again. So, verse 5 says, Ten shares fell to Manasseh, besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which were on the other side of the Jordan. We've already talked about that division. Because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance among the sons, and the rest of Manasseh's sons had the land of Gilead. The territory of Manasseh, which was from Asher to Michemeth, and lies east of Shechem, and the border went along south to the inhabitants of En-Tupua. Manasseh had the land of Tupua, but Tupua on the border of Manasseh belonged to the children of Ephraim. And the border descended to the brook Kenah, southward to the brook. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities of Manasseh. The border of Manasseh was on the north side of the brook, and it ended at the sea. Southward, it was Ephraim's northward, it was Manasseh's, and the sea was its border. Manasseh's territory was adjoining Asher to the north and Ishkatar in the east. Now, there was a lot of land in between. Ephraim and Manasseh shared land. Why could they share land? Well, they were brothers. And they knew that there wasn't going to be any squabbling, so they could share the land pretty good. And in Ishkatar and in Asher, Manasseh had Beth Shon and its towns. Iblim and its towns, inhabitants of Dor and its towns, the inhabitants of Endor and its towns, the inhabitants of Tanaka and its towns, and the inhabitants of Medigo and its towns, three hilly regions. Yet the children of Massa could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Once again... You see the problem. Once again, they didn't follow God's command. They did not drive these people out of their land. They did not get rid of them completely. But instead, when they grew strong enough, they put them to forced labor. Well, if they were strong enough to put them to forced labor, they were strong enough to get rid of them. But look pretty good from a hammock eating a bonbon somebody cutting your lawn. You know what I mean? It looks pretty good when somebody else is doing that work and you don't have to worry about it. So they, 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 they compromise. You can see the, the, the incomplete conquest of the land. And they're not alone because you'll see that in every single tribe, this is a familiar theme. And this was what the problem. Remember, Joshua only conquered so much of the land. He got rid of the things. And as they divided the land, it was up to each individual tribe to get the enemy out. Of course, the Canaanites were determined to dwell on the land. They didn't want to be kicked out. They dug in. What was lacking was the complete determination from the people of Israel. They were satisfied to put the Canaanites to order. How does this apply to us? We've applied it many times. We've applied it many times. Satan is determined to keep strongholds in our lives. Just like the Canaanites were determined to stay and have a foothold in Canaan. And you can't drive us out. Satan, because of our old life, wants to dig himself in and be firmly planted and put strongholds in our lives. What kind of strongholds do you talk about? Well, it could be like the stronghold of legalism. Legalism's a stronghold. Like, there's no freedom in legalism. When you put yourself under the legalistic law, it's a stronghold. And then you put others under it. Or how about the bondage of addiction? That's a stronghold. And sometimes... We become satisfied and we have like a standoff with Satan. Well, you stay there and I'll stay here and we can live together. The Lord's saying, no, no, you can't. No, you can't. 
When you have an addiction, even a little bit is too much. When you are legalistic, you can't place a yoke and bondage on someone else to do those things that you're calling real. When, when Paul said, take that yoke away. There's freedom in Christ. Instead of driving them out through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we allow that to happen and continue in our lives. And you know what? We probably all have little strongholds that we've never gotten rid of. Probably little strongholds that we hold on to in our life. And once again, we see the C word, compromise. It says that the children of Israel grew strong, but they would rather have slaves than completely drive out the people according to God's command. They not only grew strong, but if you ask me, they grew lazy and content. They grew lazy and content, and we're not going to drive these guys out. We'll live with the enemy. So many of us live with the enemy. We live with the enemy in our lives every single day because we refuse to drive them out. We refuse to allow Christ to have full reign of our lives. See, that's why we talked about the preeminence of Christ earlier. That's why we talked about his priority and preeminence in your life. Because we want him to be Lord of all our old lives, every part of my life, which means submission on my part. And you know what? There's some things that I have a hard time submitting to. Or I might submit to them one minute, and then when nobody's looking, take it back. They become comfortable with it. We become lazy, and we become content with living with our enemies. We feel that we can handle them in our present state. Everything's going well. I can handle these things. But the fact is, by not conquering these enemies, just like the children of Israel, we're not experiencing everything the Lord would have for us. And we're cutting ourselves out of an inheritance. We're cutting ourselves out of blessings. We're cutting ourselves out of of things that the Lord is desperately wanting to show us and give us. Well, I don't understand why my prayers aren't answered. Look at your life. Are there strongholds that you're holding on to in your life? Is there sin in your life? Are there problems that you're holding on to that you haven't given up? Maybe that's why the Lord's not answering your prayers. He wants you to rid yourself of those. He wants you to get rid of those things and and move on into an abundant life. Jesus said, which is the whole basis for the victorious Christian, I have come that they might have life and life more abundant. And he's talking about here and now. He's talking about right here on earth, right here and now, this abundant life that he's come to give us, that is ours to take. Just like the children of Israel were were, 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 were making the, the comparison of the promised land and the abundant life. He says, You don't have that. I want you desperately to have that. I want you desperately to walk in my love and walk in that peace that I have that. Why? Sad. The children of Israel are going to suffer greatly because they don't do as the Lord had told them to do. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, as you go through judges and as you go through the kings and you go through these things, you see where all these tribes that they didn't subdue, all these tribes that they didn't conquer, come up against them and cause all kinds of problems to them. All kinds of problems. And then they start to intermarry. They start to intermarry and all this kind of stuff. And next thing you know, they're worshiping other gods. They're worshiping other gods. And the Lord's saying, where are you? That's all the time we have for today on Cape Watch Radio. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you and that you've learned more about God's faithfulness throughout history and in your own life as well. Be sure to join us next time as Pastor Dave continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Joshua. We here at Cape Watch Radio would like to invite you to listen to more messages from Pastor Dave by visiting our website at capewatchradio.com. 
All Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. That website again is capewatchradio.com. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, just send us an email with today's date to info at capewatchradio.com or give us a call at 609-884-5821. That number again is 609-884-5821. We'd also love to know more about you and find out how we can pray for you as you continue on your journey of faith. Sometimes we all need a little extra prayer. We're so glad you joined us today on Cape Watch Radio. We'd like to encourage you to keep studying the Word of God and making Him a priority in your day. We pray that as you continue to learn more about the God-infused journey of the nation of Israel in the book of Joshua, that God will show you the blessings and promises He has for your life. And be sure to join us again right here on Cape Watch Radio.